0: So many places in Scripture we could talk about on 4th of July. So many tie-ins. American Christians ought to know how to celebrate 4th of July. We get this, right? I mean, we understand this at such a big level. And for me, this is particularly pronounced this year, having been in a foreign country two weeks ago that was very different for me. I went into exchange money at the Hilton. I told you last week of a few incidences uh, knowing, in fact, that I was not in America. Remember those? I'll give you two more. One is I go to exchange money at the Hilton. The Hilton is the nicest building that we saw in two weeks. Um, and we walked in, and it's not the Hiltons we have here. I walked into a Hilton through a metal detector um, and a full, not quite TSA, but you know, a full-blown, you know, uh, inspector just to go into the lobby to go exchange money. Then a few minutes later, we go to um, to the National Museum. This is the national city of Ethiopia. We walk into the National Museum, and as we pull our little van in, uh, our driver says, hey, this is a checkpoint. Everyone has to get out. So we all got out. Becky got out, and a uniformed, camoed, uniformed female officer came over and went like this to Becky. So here's my wife, just getting patted down, you know, checking for Uzis and you know, grenades and all kinds of stuff. And so I'm, uh, there's another really burly looking guy with camo and a gun, and I'm like, I guess me and the driver are next. But here's where it got interesting. As soon as Becky was cleared, they're like, okay, you're good to go, get back in the van and you can get through. And I'm thinking, what? (laughs) Of all the people that looked the most dangerous, I guess they thought sweet Becky here uh, looked pretty threatening. So me and the driver got off scot-free, but she was cleared of all weaponry before heading into the National Museum of, of, uh, of Ethiopia. All that to say this. When I walk from a place to a place, uh, when I cruise around, I'm, I'm keenly aware, I'm extra aware this year of some of the liberties we have, some of the freedoms that we have, even the sheer color that we have, the lawn that we're sitting on, uh, all, all are in kind of stark contrast to what I, I just experienced a couple of weeks ago. I think those who have been... Uh, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand this morning, um, but uh, I happen to know many believers, this is, this is scriptural, that all of us at some point were in some way living in sin. Some of you did it in a very uh, law-abiding, upstanding way, and it, mostly it was internal. Uh, others of you have paid for it with some, some time in jail or time in prison. And those of us who have spent time in a prison cell... Uh, understand the freedom that we have probably a, a little bit differently than, than those of you who haven't. I remember when I went in, uh, this is going to surprise some of you, I suppose, but I remember walking in um, to the, the prison cell uh, my first day. And I walked in, and there was cold cement under my feet. There was cold cement on each wall closing in on me. Uh, one of the things I noticed immediately as I looked around the room was how hard the bed looked and how, um, let's just say, how poor the facilities looked uh, in in my cell. And I remember sitting down and just feeling this weight of, you know, of prison and of confinement and wondering what I was going to do. And then I heard uh, this big booming voice say, uh, move it along, you know, our tour is moving on. I was at Alcatraz. And, um, and, and I, I got out of my cell, and, um, and it was, I'm kidding, I wasn't in prison, okay? Some of you are just trying to m- tie that in. Um, but you know what? Being in that, being in that enclosed space, you can, you can just envision what it would be like to be in there and then taste freedom. Walk out after who knows how long into the air that you can breathe. Look at First Peter. Did I say Second Peter? Um, look at First Peter, please chapter 2 and i want to read for you a passage that uh, that is that is pertinent here for today's topic starting in verse 13 follow along with me and if you don't have a bible just listen closely be subject for the lord's sake to every human institution whether it be to the the emperor as supreme or to governors as Sent by him to punish those who do evil and praise those who do good. For this is the will of God, that by doing good you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. Catch this verse. Live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants of God. Honor everyone. Love the brotherhood. Fear God. Honor the emperor. I want to give you two just quick points to kind of chew on here this uh, this morning before we chew on some food. Uh, The first is this, to be subject to every human institution. Not long ago, we talked about being submitted to one another. Remember as we entered the family in Ephesians, uh, late chapter 4, chapter 5, and part of chapter 6? Kids, you're to be submissive to your parents. You're to obey the parents in the Lord, for this is right. Wives are to submit to husbands. Husbands are to submit to the Lord. And now we have this human institution that we think about today, and that's our government. And we are commanded by by the Lord in the same way that all these other submissions ought to be going on, the same thing ought to be happening as we submit to the civil institutions, and that is this, for the sake of the Lord. Submit for the sake of the Lord. Remember wives, what we talked about in submitting to your husband, does that mean he's always right? No. Does that mean he's always making the right decision? Absolutely not. But for the Lord's sake, we submit one to another. And we're submissive to our civil government for the same reason. Civil governments were instituted by God to both punish and to praise, right? Punish those who do evil. Governments weren't given the sword for nothing. They're to punish those who do evil, and they're to praise and reward those who do good. Does our government do it perfectly? No. But I'll tell you those who I think harp on our country the most, I just want to send them on a world tour. I want to take a trip with them a few different places. And what happens is you come back and even the freedom to scream out at our government and be mad at our government is, is, is amazing. It's a gift from God that we have in this place. And we're not going to go this whole vein here, but we're going to touch on it a little bit later. Like our spiritual freedom, it, it costs something, Right? So that's, that's a part of what we, we celebrate today. It's the idea of justice. Think about the fact that civil governments are raised up or brought down by God. Is God sovereign or is God not sovereign? Read the Old Testament. Discover very evil governments where Christians lived under and still submitted to their laws so far as they didn't command them to do something opposite of what God had clearly instructed them to do. We do not live in the most evil society in history by a long shot. We have lots to learn from others, brothers and sisters today who are submitting in all that they can to evil governments that God for this season has allowed. Here's two things it's not. Our government is not our hope. One thing to do is to be super patriotic, wave the biggest flag that you possibly can, uh, beat down anyone who ever says anything against our country because it's our hope. America's not our hope. Look look in 1 Peter uh, chapter 1. Verse 13, just a a paragraph or two over. It says this Therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. That's where our hope is, right? Not in the country. So that's one extreme. Here's another thing that some people think is that this is our home, this is our eternal home. So we have so much invested in here that this becomes everything. This is not our home. We looked at this a little bit last week, but First Peter 2:11, scoot down just uh, scoot up just a, a couple of verses. Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh, flesh which wage war against your soul. You are a sojourner. you are a traveler. You are one who's got a temporary home in the US. The whole picture of a passport uh, in the US but a passport in heaven, one far outweighs the other one. And the way we're to do this is to put to silence those who are foolish by our good deeds. I hope that as an employee, as a Christian, your work ethic, your quality of your work, the time that you show up for work, the attitude that you have at work, all reflect to your boss, I ought to hire more Christians. I ought to hire more Christians. Do you know that that's part of your worship? Isn't that putting Christ in the middle of your, of, of your midweek? What if you preach one thing and talk all about the holiness of God and all about this and that, but you're just a lousy employee? That bears a bad name on Christ, doesn't it? So it is with the citizens. The citizens of this land, as Christians, we ought to be those who put to silence those who are foolish by our good deeds. We've got to be such a way that our civil governments, even those local, know us and say, we need more places like Neighborhood Bible Church collectively, and we need more people like the Austins individually as a family. That's our aim and goal, and that's scriptural. Secondly, is this not only to be subject to every human institution, but to live free. Live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover up for evil, but living as servants of God. There's a negative command and a positive command, not for covering up evil. Would you agree that the more freedom that you have, the more temptation there is? Think about that for a second. The more freedom that you enjoy, the more temptation there is that comes with that freedom. Let me give you one example of how you might use your freedom to cover up evil. Okay? You might uh, be really proud of, um, of a book that you own. I was looking at some pictures the other day of my trip to China, and they were so proud of their one brand new book that most of them had ever received in their entire life. Tears are coming down these people's faces. They were so thrilled. The book happened to be a commentary on the Bible. I felt what the Lord was doing in that place, and I stood up, and before my lesson, about 80 people or so, I said, would you hold your book up so I can see your faces with that book? I've shown some of you that picture. Tears! Coming down their faces. Why? They got a brand new book. A brand new book. Now, here's. let me just show you this. I could be a Christian in China, receive my one brand new book, and you know what I could do? I could take that freedom that I got. I could take that liberty that I got, that gift that I got, and I could begin to be proud of it, couldn't I? I could be proud of my book. I could show off my book. I could subtly point out that Jonathan doesn't have a book. Or if he does, his is old and ratty, and mine... Oh, it smells so good. It's a new book. The pages are white. No one's marked in it but me. Do you see how silly that is? I can be proud of that book. But with more freedom, with more liberty, with more opportunity comes this. Not one book. How many of you own only one book? I mean, we don't have just a book. We have what amounts to a library. Many of you in this place own a Kindle or an iPad. Not only do we own books, libraries, electronic eye trinkets that store our digital stuff, but we have houses that we can be really prideful in. All of this could be a cover-up for evil. It's subtle, it's under the radar, but but we're taking pride in it. We're taking uh, a certain amount of hope put in it. So with more freedom... With more opportunity, I think it's true that in general, there is more temptation for us. So what does that say to American Christians? It says that we need to really be on our guard with this. It says that we need to ask what it was that we were put in this country for. Here's the positive. Not for covering up evil, but for serving God. Here's the question I want to leave you with. I want to challenge you with this question. Do you know that you being born here, many of you were born, most of you were born here in this country. You had zero say in that. When I mentioned to people that I was from the USA and then from California, you know how this is if you travel the world. Many people still want to come to California. Their eyes light They say, wow, California. Well, just being born in California had nothing to do with it, but here I am. You ever ask yourself, God, why did you cause me to be born in this country in this season of time why am I afforded so much freedom, so much opportunity so much stuff so much wealth comparatively to the rest of the world, what do you want me to do with this how do you want me to follow you in serving your kingdom and being a servant of God and not using all of this as a cover up for evil as just serving my own personal kingdom, that's the question that I want to leave you with this morning. You were born in this country in this time. Discover why God entrusted you with this and then follow Him in that. I close with this. The Bible communicates that true freedom is found in the truth. Jesus said bluntly, I am the truth. I want to just uh, direct your attention. You don't have to turn there. You can look if you want. But John chapter 8, Jesus is talking to some religious leaders. He says this. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in Him. Catch that part. To the Jews who had believed in Him. How many Americans do you know that believe in Jesus? A lot. I meet a ton of people that believe in Jesus. He's talking to Jews who believed in Him. Okay? Here's what He said. If you abide in My Word, you are truly My disciples. Who was He talking to? Jews who believed in him. He's now qualifying that by saying, if you abide in my word, you're my true disciples. So pop quiz. Raising your hand at a crusade two years ago and saying, I believe in Jesus. Does that make you a true disciple of Jesus Christ? No. No. Flat out, it doesn't. How many are lost and thinking they're a guaranteed shoe-in in in heaven, spending an eternity with God because they've made a a belief statement? They've checked a box saying, I believe in Jesus. Here's some Jews that believe in Jesus. Watch where they go with this. Jesus says, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciple, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you what? Free. They answered him, we are offspring of Abraham and have never been enslaved to anyone. How dare you? That's the tone. How dare you? We're the sons of Abraham. We're Jews. We're the promised people. How is it that you say you will become free? Where's their hope? It's in national hope. Their, uh, their pride and their hope is in their bloodline, in their nation. Does this sound familiar? Do I believe I live in the greatest nation on earth? I really do. I haven't seen every nation, so I can't make that quality you know, across the board but I really do believe it. But there's a way of saying that in a a perspective under the sovereignty of God or there's a way in saying that 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 is your pride, that is your hope for all of time. Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who commits a sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. So, if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. I know that you are offspring of Abraham yet you seek to kill me because my words find no place in you. To the Jews who believed in Jesus, there was no abiding in the word, and the word found no place in them. Here's my question to you today, Christian, or American Christian, or believer, however you want to title yourself, God doesn't care about those titles. Here's my question for you. Has God's word found a place in you does god's word today find a place in you are you abiding in that word if all of those are true of course you believe in jesus you could work backwards from it and say duh of course i believe in jesus but working forward from that believism or believing is not enough By receiving the gospel Jesus offers and turning from sin, a big fancy church word for that is repent. You will taste, walk, and enjoy the freedom God came to give us. Just like our national freedom, spiritual freedom isn't cheap but costly. Some of you know that firsthand. You might right now have loved ones that you care about that are not at home and i want to challenge you and encourage you to be in prayer for that god's sovereign in that pray for people we understand that this nation understand our history has been has been built up and purchased by the blood of many but unlike our national freedom spiritual freedom lasts forever and that's a really really long time there's going to come a day when you're no longer a citizen of the united states you're dead at that point you might be buried here but your passport is revoked right and that's where I just beg of you if you haven't yet find yourself to be a citizen in God's eternal kingdom the purchased price of our freedom was Jesus Christ and that's the core message of the gospel that's all that enables you to subject always to every human institution is the risen Christ that's all that will allow you to live as free as God commands I want to invite the band up and we're going to sing uh, just a couple more songs and then we're going to dismiss to lunch. And I want to say a few words uh, about our lunch crew before we do that. But let me just say a word of prayer while we're all out here um, under the sun. God, we just praise you that we get to, as has already been mentioned, we get to sit out here and broadcast the Bible being read. And I don't think any one of us here has thought twice about it. For our safety, we just have the freedom to do this. God, would You spur in us? Would You awaken in us? If today is the day of salvation for some, would You allow them not to pass it by? Let them skip a hot dog to come and deal with important spiritual matters that will matter for all of eternity. It's a simple message that even the youngest child in this place can understand. And yet it is the power of salvation to everyone who accepts and receives this message of salvation, the Gospel of Jesus Christ. I pray that as we sing about the amazing grace that sets us free from the slavery to sin, that it would spark in us something fresh this morning. I thank You, Lord, for each family here, each individual here the way that you've united hearts and minds of people from across a broad spectrum of life in this community we pray God for those around us, those that you love, those that are created in your image would you give us an urgent heart for them Lord not to befriend them, throw a Christian track at them and then be on our way, but to lay down our very lives for them That by our good deeds they would see the gospel being lived out. They would see the risen Jesus in our life in such a way that at some point they would have to ask, what's different about you? And God, that we would give winsome, truthful, gracious words about the coming wrath of sin that we're only saved from by the blood of Jesus Christ. We praise you and thank you here today. And all of God's people said... Amen.